welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, we're online. Hello, welcome to episode 358 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb. I put a shirt on and everything. And uh, good you put a shirt on, especially to be to be video. To be well, I'm, it's quite good doing this video stuff, partly so because I can see you and like our audience can see us, but also because yeah, um, it's an excuse to just kind of get dressed for work. You know, and not that I've been working in my pajamas, but I've done my hair and I've, yeah, I've had a shower and put my contact lenses in and everything. Yeah, uh, maybe you can see them. Yeah. That's a bit close, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, getting used to this uh, this new life, getting in the swing of it. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing very, very well. I'm doing very, very well. I'm just checking out um, Halo lights on uh, Amazon, and you'd be surprised how many are out of stock. So it's obviously the <laughs> thing at the moment to get a Halo light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so just saying, Jer- Jeremy Vine tweeted, I think he was getting a bit frustrated seeing quite high-profile people on BBC News or whatever, being interviewed on via Skype or Zoom. And, um, yeah. like, with really amateurish setups, with, you know, the window yeah. behind them, um, like, a really, like, don't know, a pile of laundry in the corner, that kind of stuff. I don't know. I can only see quite <laughs> stuff. Not yet. Um, but you, you there, often... There, if you... There, there was a wonderful guy on this morning on one of the news feeds where he's being interviewed because he wants to get one of these loans from the government because he's in such dire straits and next to him on the shelf is a row of champagne bottles one of which is a bollinger and i'm thinking this is the wrong image to be asking for money with a yeah. hundred pound bottles of champagne beside your head <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, three of you will. Um, we are going to talk about kind of life continuing in lockdown and isolation. Um, yeah. Because it's so relevant, man, isn't it? And uh, we're trying to well, get people through the, well, I don't know, not just get people through the next few weeks, next couple of months, however long, you know, it's probably a lot longer. I think, I think if we're honest with how this is going to play out in the next couple of years, even. Um, I, I think that the government are giving out little kind of sound bites. So if they say like a week, two weeks, it's things that we can digest. If you look at the bigger lump and you look at what's happening in other places in Europe, it's probably not going to be until into July before things start to ease up here. But the effects of this could go on for a long time from now, couldn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... We'll have to see. You know, I... We, yeah. I dropped some bird feed off at my grandma's um, yesterday. And, uh, you know, until there's a vaccine, until there's some kind of remedy for this, this stuff, people at risk, uh, in the high-risk categories, I don't know, they're not going to be able to go out, are they? Through- well, I, I, was, I was talking to our friend Agnes yesterday, who's in lockdown. Hi, Agnes. And... Um, uh, she was saying a very real thing, which is that if you're in one of the shielded categories um, and we are locked down and they're saying that really it won't be safe till we have a vaccine done, 
That means mm. you're talking about people in the sheltered category maybe being locked down for a year from here before they, there's a vaccine that's effective and available. Now, that's a long time. You know, I don't know how many people will be able to do that realistically? No, I know. Um, so let's see. let's see how we go. Thankfully, at least, it's, I mean, it's, spring, it's warming up. There's a lot of daylight around. Um, which, yeah. So there are lessons here and there. And, you know, either way, this is, this is here. So I guess what we're going to try and talk about today is how we can make the most and how we can thrive in this time and learn a bit about ourselves, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, we, we, we were doing, sorry, sorry, crossover. Yeah. yeah, just how we can prepare for the new world, you know, because there's like opportunities for improving the world so that when we all do come back to life and start venturing out, uh, we can, yeah, improve yeah. things. Go on. You know, we, we were doing the series on anxiety. And the thing that's really come over to me with people I've been working with over the last couple of weeks is an increase of anxiety in some people that are at home. And I was relating it as I began to work with people to attachment issues. And attachment is something, there's a guy called John Bowlby, I mentioned it in the blog. Um, it's someone, someone who's worth kind of reading around. And it's about how the early experiences at birth uh, the maternal, paternal, and, and the family experiences affect what's seen as our attachment. So are we securely or insecurely attached? So someone who's insecurely attached might be scared uh, or continually they've got that underlying feeling that their partner might be leaving them or they can't trust their friends, that kind of stuff. So it becomes quite a tough place to be in terms of that kind of uh, anxious level. Whereas the more attached someone is, the more securely attached they are, the calmer they feel. Now, what, what tends to be happening with the people I'm talking to is the people that have uh, attachment issues are getting more anxious at the moment. They're worried that they're not connecting with people. They're feeling isolated. They're feeling scared. You know, are people going to change towards them? They see them as differently. And when we come out of this, you know, will they still have the same friendships? All that kind of stuff, which makes it yeah. quite quite a tough place to be yeah it's weird it's, it's unprecedented what, what's going on right now and you know I'm, you know we're both you and i are in fortunate positions and work's carrying on almost not quite as normal but we are able to work at least and we've got partners at home and you know well, you've got yeah. your son there and our two yeah. little boys so it's quite a vibrant place our little yeah. little corner of the world um, yeah, if you do lock down in a family group, that's a lot easier than if you're locked down on your own. Or indeed locked down with two people. Uh, I was working with someone recently who's locked down with their partner. One of them has got the virus or thinks they have. The other uh, hasn't, but they're locked down into a one-bedroom flat. And it's really hard to isolate from someone else in a one-bedroom flat, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's easy if you've got a house and you can kind of go to different corners of the house. Um, but if you've got a small, like, studio flat, then you, you, you're really stopped. Yeah. yeah, all sorts of myriad of d different setups people have. And, you know, you know, yeah. I was chatting about, you know, if, if Bethan and I were back, if this had happened back when we were, um, like, pre-marriage, 
when we were dating and when we were kind of seeing each other every evening we didn't live together I used to go over and see her um, each night and spend a couple of hours together just chatting and watching telly and then I'd go so but wouldn't be able to do that anymore and how people that are on in those little those relationships early on how they're uh, how they're managing yeah. Yeah. and and that that sense of, of isolation um it, if your girlfriend boyfriend is somewhere else and you can't see them okay you can talk to them on the phone you can message you can do video stuff like this but if you have that attachment anxiety so now you, you then go into that fear state about you know it, is it safe will they still be there when we come out are they um, you know, on, online with other people, are they talking to me? You know, what's going on? So people start to develop that kind of maggot in that it starts to tell them all kinds of negative stories. And that's where the anxiety builds. The anxiety then tips into depression, so you get this anxious, depressive state. Yeah. And it's something that we really have to guard against now. Yeah, yeah big time. What is attachment theory then? I've put a link in kind of the Wikipedia page in the... Uh... And show notes for what's the attachment theory from your uh, your side, Sean. And um, it's well, John Bowlby is the guy that did it. He did all the research, fabulous work. And um, when you look at people, some people have anxious attachments, some people have angry attachments. And uh, there's all kinds of ways. Once you start looking, it's worth reading around John Bowlby's work. Really, really good stuff. They, they did things like they would get a child with a mother to go in a room, they're filming it all. And then the mother leaves the room while the child is looking to go and do something in theory, but it's yeah. part of the experiment. So the, the one child is looking around and go fine and carry on playing, do what they're doing, because they're securely attached and they assume that the mother's going to come back. Yeah, An anxious attached child is now going to be worried. Where's my mother gone? I'm alone. Oh, my God. So they're going to be running around trying to find the mother and shouting. Yeah? And you might get the kind of passive-aggressive attachment where a child is kind of playing on their own, but they're looking. And then when the mother comes back, they get angry with the mother. They might even sort of hit the mother or they might, you know, because they're angry that they've been abandoned. And all those things are being played out in adult life. And they get played out for us individually in our relationships. But because the, the, this lockdown is like looking at the world through a magnifying glass, everything gets bigger. Yeah, huge worries, problems, anxieties, mm. as opposed to... Because it's like you, you and I are looking at this from a fairly secure point of view, where we, we've got family around us and we can still go out and walk and do things. Um, and we're saying, well, yeah, no, this is going to last a while, but it's going to be over, it'll be okay. Yeah, and we can kind of know that from our attached point of view. But if you're fearful and you're worried, and from here to the end of tomorrow seems like forever, I mean, for here to the end of next week feels like, oh, my God. And if you start talking about that in terms of a few months, then it becomes like a prison sentence. It's a really stressful, anxious place to be. So my one thing I'm, I'm saying in the blog is that we need to start, we need to acknowledge that. If we're starting to feel that kind of anxious, depressed state, we need to do something about it. We need to be talking to other people online. We need to be joining kind of support groups. We need to, to start doing a course. We need to start doing things where we're interacting, we're organised, we've got a routine going, and things are starting to kind of look, look good for us. 
yeah? There's something to look forward to tomorrow, yeah? We found, we found as a family that the days seem to be racing by quite quickly, um, weirdly. Um, and we, um, it's been Easter, well, it's kind of Easter holidays technically for kids um, at the moment. So we're kind of treating this, the current couple of weeks as Easter holes. So we've, we've slipped out of our routine that we got into in terms of getting up relatively early with the lads, doing the Joe Wicks workout on YouTube with the rest of the country. <laughs> And then doing a couple of hours of schoolwork, you know, a bit of reading, nothing too, you know, a bit of maths, that kind of stuff, nothing too strenuous. And then a bit of lunch. Uh, and then we had our kind of afternoon, a bit more informal, followed by a bit of football on the field, a bit of Lego, and then bed. And that was, <laughs> that, the days were racing by for us and still are, weirdly. But I don't know if there's other people out there where time is dragging. Maybe, if you, maybe it's a little way that people can figure out if they're, on the right track or not as to how time is how time feels to them some people it might be dragging unbelievably whereas for us yeah the days are whizzing by you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i have that experience of time is moving quickly but also that's kind of set against the feeling that every day is a sunday it's, a, it's mm. an odd kind of thing especially trying to go out for a walk every day and getting a few kilometers in the um you go out on the on the roads and there's no cars there, you know, and there's no people there. And it just feels like a Sunday or a Christmas day or something when you've gone out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I haven't been going out on my bike a huge amount. I am missing my commute a little bit. But uh, when I do go out for a little to stretch my legs, I keep kind of, you know, I'm just going around the, the residential streets near where I live, up and down new little roads that I've never been down before. Uh, you you have a fabulous clip on on one of your sites where there's uh, Bethan's taken a, a picture of you and William riding along, uh, riding along the road. There's no cars, and the comment is something like, um, "You know, William can do this now. Will he be able to do this in a few weeks' time?" Kind of thing, because it's just so easy on the road. Mm. Um, and that's the thing we've been out on our bikes, and there's nothing on the road. And one of the things that you you put in your notes, you said, Ed's bumping into people on his bike. Now, we actually nearly bumped into people on their bikes because bikes are quiet and people are just walking around in the roads. They're not even staying on the pavements now um, because they're used to having cars around. The people are taking over the world again. And we nearly hit a few people on our bikes as we were riding around. Yeah, he's silently cruising along on on that awesome e-bike of yours, eh? That, that is a, re- a really good buy, that. It's a, it's a lovely thing to ride. Um, and it does mean you, you can use it without any power at all. So if you're on the flat, you can be getting lots of exercise. But as soon as you come to a hill, you just stick the power on and you just fly up the hill. It's amazing. It's really good. <laughs> of, um, apocalypse technology, that. It's providing you've got somewhere to charge it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, amazing bit of kit. Um, yeah, my bumping into people isn't, yeah, not physically like hitting people. Uh, it's more, you know, just realizing where people live. People that are new in the community or no, because uh, the weather's pretty pleasant at the moment. Um, they're out in the gardens um, or they're out walking themselves. Uh, so I'll end up going for a ride, trying to get a few miles exercising. But I'll be. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I'll just be stopping for five, 10 minute chats over garden walls, just checking in on people. So there's a guy yesterday who's a, and I'd been to my grandma's to drop off some supplies for her, for her garden, actually, because she needed some bird feed to her, her best mates of the, the birds at the moment. Uh, and then on the way back, yeah, yeah, bumped into Ronnie, who's me tailor, the guy that I've, he takes in shirts for me and he's made a couple of suits for me over the years. And, um, his wife died uh, about six months ago, I think, no, probably oh, yeah. longer, possibly longer. So, And I hadn't seen him since then, so it was really... Uh, good to catch up with him he's living on his own now he's got family you know bringing things to him and stuff like that he's relatively high risk I think so he's not venturing too far out uh, but yeah kind of really value little uh, um, experiences like that at the moment <clears throat> that know, must be tough isn't it? It, it if you are widowed like that and uh, and then you bounce into this kind of lockdown issue is it must be like a double hit on, on oh. that sense of lost you know must be, yeah. i mean it's can't even comprehend really but you know he's quite a resilient chap and he's he's getting on with it and i don't know if he's how he's getting on at night you know he's crying himself to sleep or what maybe but he seemed pretty uh he seemed on pretty good form and uh, yeah like i say he appreciated the uh the company for a for 10 minutes i think mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what are the uh, I was looking at kind of, I uh, was thinking about instances where isolation has been kind of experimented with and, and played with. So I think this, the stories that I'm going to link to specifically about a chap who, um, he, I think he had some kind of bet or a wager for $100,000 where he, he could he bet that he could stay in solitary confinement in, in complete darkness for 30 days. Um, yeah. And uh, just partly to see how, how if he could do it and what the, the impacts were. Uh, and I, don't think, I think he got like 20 days in and he, he kind of begged and pleaded to be let out. Um, and he, he didn't, you know, he kind of, for a, he negotiated a smaller fee <laughs> to be let out. But what are, what are the longer term impacts of, of isolation on people? What are you thinking? How, well, how do you I, think I can might... remember um, back along in the 60s and 70s, we had um, uh, th- these chambers where they were like desensitized chambers where you, you had saline in, in the, so like salt water, which um, you could lie in and float so that your body had, had kind of negative buoyancy, it just floats. Yeah? The water was at body temperature so that you couldn't, you, you had no weight, you couldn't feel anything. And if you were in, in a, a sensory deprivation chamber, they were called, if you had, had a good one, you'd block your ears up and you'd have a, a kind of an eye mask on um, and it would be completely black. So you couldn't hear anything, you couldn't see anything. Because the water was the same temperature as your skin, you couldn't feel anything. And because the saline in the water, the salt was holding you up, you'd had no weight. So people were literally just their consciousness. There was no other input. On average, regular people could last about 20 minutes before they ran out screaming. They couldn't cope with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're an experienced meditator, people could last for like a couple of hours in there if they were used to doing it. Um, but in general, people just couldn't cope at all. If you think about the guy you're talking about, who they wanted to lock down for 30 days in pitch black, um, all of us live 
in a rhythm, a sidereal rhythm that's in our body, that's in the world around us. But part of that is to do with light cycles. When you take the light away from somebody, the first thing that happens is the serotonin levels in the brain drop and people start to get depressed, which is why you get sad syndrome in the winter. So that guy in 24 hours a day darkness for 30 days would have been in like the darkest, deepest depths of winter with nothing to feed him. So presumably he, he didn't have any stimulants. So there would have been, uh, I mean, coffee would have helped because that would stimulate your system. In, in places like Finland, when it goes really dark, people tend to drink a lot more booze and it's quite heavy stuff. It's like a kind of a Polish spirity vodka kind of drink. Um, and there are ways that people are trying to get, they're trying to get dopamine from the alcohol, and you know, they're trying to get um, a bit of adrenaline from the caffeine, things that, yeah. that give you a rhythm in your body. But if you've got, if you've got no rhythm, then there is no time of day. You've stepped out of time. So you're saying he lasted 20 days, which is pretty good to be in pitch blackness for 20 days. Yeah. I need to read up a bit more on it. I mean, I'm thinking about, other, uh, I know experiments have been done to kind of prepare people for life in space, you know, and I think there's been a group of people living basically on Mars, but on Earth, you know, in a group of five or six people in yeah. a small, what would be the the, the, the Mars base. And that's obviously thrown up some very interesting um, psychological um, conundrums, as, as, you know, uh, but there's, there's movies, aren't there? Obviously, into, like Castaway, Tom Hanks, yeah. which is worth checking out. I need to watch that. Where he's uh, on an island on his own for I don't know how long he, he's there for. Actually, in the end, it's a year or so. Um, he develops that relationship with his ball, with his volleyball Wilson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> without, well, spoiler alert: when when Wilson exits the movie later on, I mean, you 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 really like. It's one of the most emotional scenes in any film ever. You know, this volleyball disappears and, uh, yeah, you, you're crying for the volleyball because this relationship you had with it, it's, uh, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. But, but in, in that sense, for, for many people, lockdown now will have those kinds of qualities about it. If people can't go out... I mean, for, for someone who lives on their own, maybe going to work would be a social interaction for them that could be gone even people that are retired maybe just going to the shop every day would be their way of connecting with society why don't you take those two things away from some people they've got nothing yeah know? i know so but we've got to find things haven't we in this hopefully they found maybe people might have found this podcast you never know maybe this is a good chance <laughs> but, but that's the thing is it it's like if we turn on a bit of gratitude and we look at how human consciousness has created these amazing devices. I can talk to you. I can see you. You can see me. Other people can see us. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We can be talking to people anywhere in the world. It's amazing. I do it all the time. You know, before this happened, 50% of what I did was online anyway, around the world. And now it's become 100% what I do is online. Okay? Um, if we all learn to connect into this stuff, then there's amazing amount of stuff through this window on the world. There's the most amazing stuff out there once you go through the window. And we have uh, You wonder, like, the, the universe or the world has a, 
weird way of teaching us things. And this this pandemic has happened at a really fascinating point in history, hasn't it? For in terms of technology, and you know, this had happened even ten years ago. Yeah, we had a little bit of video chat and Skype, and we obviously got telephones, um, but we, the technology wouldn't have quite been ready to handle this conversation yeah. the way that we're going to yeah. be able to share it with you know a few thousand people in the coming weeks and, and beyond so yeah. um more so it's happened at quite a quite an opportune moment for humanity hasn't it yeah but do, do, do does it lead to kind of a, a re-evaluation is it that we now look at our nhs workers and have been some of the lowest paid. I mean, the cleaners and those kinds of people. But do, if you look at the relative pay of a care worker, whether they're a nurse, a doctor or whatever, relative to a footballer, you know, who do we need at the moment? You know, all the footballers in the world go on strike. What effect does that have on the world? Okay, some people are going to be pretty upset by that. But overall... Yeah. It's a different order of events to if all the health workers on the planet went on strike. You know, the, the devastation would be huge. And yet we're prepared to value the footballers for such a phenomenal amount of money. And yet we won't value the nurse who goes in, you know, and, and some of the people now in local hospitals here are doing three on one off. They're doing three days and having one day off, three days and one day off. And they're working, they've got the ward set up. So red ward is, is definitely coronavirus. The orange wards or the yellow wards are the ones that are um, uh, possibly, and the, because we can't test everybody yet, and the green wards are definitely not. Yeah? And if you're on the red wards, because they're rotating around, if you're on the red wards and you're in that high level pressure, you've got to wear all the gear, um it's it's hugely hugely stressful imagine doing that for 12 hours a day for three days and then being given one day off before you start again um which to me is quite a difficult shift pattern you know you can't even um spend two days going and getting drunk off your face and getting out your system and then going back in again it's like it's pressure 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 all the way um, yeah. And that, that's going to have a huge effect on people, on a long-lasting effect that's going to have to be worked out, where people will have a kind of a post-traumatic effect. Yeah, you see, uh, obviously, with what our Prime Minister's gone through as well, he's obviously he's, um, yeah. on the men quite nicely, but he's, I think you wonder whether his experience will have a pr- quite a profound, it should have a, a profound effect on him uh, in terms of how he was cared for during his time in intensive care. And he's, he did talk about that. And he specifically mentioned yeah. two nurses that kind of really, you know, they didn't leave his side. And you just wonder how that will impact policy, you know, and how it will impact his life when he gets back to the office, 10 Downing Street, and what he'll come back yeah. with. And he'll, he might, you would hope that he will come back being quite assertive and just saying, right, guys, you know, this this hit me and it hit me for a reason and uh, I've come to come out the other side of it. But we need to start doing this. We need to do this. We need to do that. Um, yeah, you would hope it would have a, a positive impact on us all. Yeah, ideally. Yeah, Ho- hopefully our values of people and things changes from this. That would be you know my my hope and aim would be that if that could happen, that would be lovely. That would be really be nice. Um, yeah. Mm. All right. 
Um, anything else you want to mention? I feel like we're just kind of shooting the breeze a bit here, but hopefully this is helpful in terms yeah. of just... Is that what happens when people go into lockdown? You know, that yeah. life becomes kind of shooting the breeze. I mean, the amount of people that have said that um, because life isn't structured, there's not things going on, that they've, they've lost, they're losing that sense of self, that sense of drive. I mean, my, my thing is, if we're going to be in this lockdown situation, then we need to consider it as time, as an opportunity. So what are we going to do? What do we want to get out of it? And if we're going to use these resources that we have, or these online resources, whether it's reading books or writing books, whether it is um, listening to um, podcasts or creating podcasts, whether it's doing blogs, uh, listening to blogs, it's like that whole thing about are we going to use this to participate there's a million courses out there for free there's loads yeah not least of all will be the 10 steps course which will be coming up very very soon we're very close on that um all free of charge or come on board you know um already got a load of people want to do it which is good um the the thing is that at the end of this yes we have to face our anxiety issues yes we have to face our attachment issues you know yes we have to get ourselves together but that's a good thing that's not a bad thing it's it's that sense about okay this is a challenge so if you look at it from the point of view of we don't have problems here we have learning opportunities what are you going to learn from it what are you going to get out of it let's make it into a, a positive experience and stop rehearsing yeah. the negative yeah. You know something that drives me bonkers at the moment? Every day, the government do their stand-up from Downing Street, and they get asked questions by reporters, and the questions are so inane. And it's the same questions regurgitated in different forms day after day. And I'm thinking, surely we can have some positive input. It's like someone's trying to find someone to blame for this, and sometimes it feels like, who can we really have a go at today? As opposed to, come on, we need to get through this together, guys. Yeah? Drives me crackers. Yeah. Um, me too. Well, actually, I've kind of tuned out from those a little bit. And, you know, I'm keep, keeping up with the news, but I haven't been checking in every day to, the, to, the, to those because I'm watching Newsnight most nights just because it's a bit more in-depth and a bit... Um, it's quite fascinating, really, getting to know the mechanics of it all. Uh, and then there's the, yeah, the human stories, you know, that are coming back. I, I, obviously, I'm bike-obsessed, but there was a, there's a chap on Wirral, a young guy who someone has fitted a... He's disabled or he's in a, a wheelchair, and he, someone's fitted a one of those um, attachments to turn it into a bicycle, but it's hand-assisted one, so you could do this right. to go, and it's kind of opened up his world completely, and he's, he's off for miles and miles with his dad now, and... Uh, <laughs> little, little stories like that and your resource what's your resource Sean uh, my resource is uh, this This is a resource where you have to participate and give something have you come across Captain Tom Captain Tom just giving lovely lovely guy he's almost 100 uh, he's had his hip replaced he's walking with a frame and he his aim was to do 100 lengths of his garden by the time he's 100 and he wanted to raise a thousand pounds for a um, thousand pounds for the NHS. Is that all? I don't know whether I can get you on his side. So that was all he wanted. Okay. Um, this morning, this morning he got up to um, over five million pounds, which is amazing. Um, and 
I can't get onto the site because there are that many people donating money that you, you actually can't get on the site. If you want to get on the site to do it, you have to just kind of nip in. But it's, it's the Just Giving page, justgiving.com, and it's for Captain Tom Moore, and it's, it's his 100th birthday fund. And looking at the way that it's going, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if we all chip in a bit that he couldn't get to, to 10 million to the NHS, you know, which is amazing. amazing. Which actually shows how much people do value him and value the NHS, which is amazing. And like I say, if you, if you go back to what does a footballer get paid and what does a nurse get paid, you know, maybe we need to revalue it. Yeah? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to the Just Giving link as well. He's got his own Twitter feed. I wonder what his story is. Obviously, oh, yeah. he's got some, um, medals there and that. But I wonder, even at the age of 100, or almost 100, if this will be the thing that he's most proud of, you know? So it just shows that it, it, ain't, it ain't never too late, boy. Yeah, and he's a cracking chap. When you, when you watch him, uh, his, his hearing isn't what it could have been. Um, but he um, he is uh, is so on the ball and so tight. It's actually gone over six million. Yeah, Gee, we're up to it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> He's gone over six million. I, I reckon that he could get this to ten. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I can't. There's a little video there that won't load. Anyway, amazing. We'll put the link in. I'm, I'm sure you, people will have heard of it by now. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, lovely guy though. And isn't it lovely that everybody has participated? You know, it's over two hundred thousand people have been in, in this, giving in money for this, which is brilliant. Love it. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, my resource is uh, those movies I mentioned. So I did have another one I was going to shout out. But I think it's a good time to watch Castaway. And, uh, oh, in fact, I didn't mention yeah, yeah. it. Um, there's one called The Martian. With, oh, yeah. Uh, and I've seen that. I've seen that Matt with Damon. the potatoes. Yeah. The potatoes? Yeah, yeah. So he's the last man stranded on Mars. They think he's dead and he, they, they kind of leave on this rocket. And uh, he has to live on Mars on his own for, I don't know how long he's there for in the end. But, uh, in fact, if you can get the copy of the book, even better, the book is outstanding. Just like a proper page turner um, as he tries to figure out initially how he's going to live for a week. He figures out he's got rations for a couple of weeks or something like that. And then he has to figure out oh, beyond that and how he can grow things on Mars. It's quite scientific and mathematical. Yeah, uh, yeah it's clever. Like, great movie, great book. So, yeah, check that yeah. out. And, uh, in the meantime, so, we'll be back tomorrow next week, eh? So, my neighbour... Totoro, Totoro, Totoro. That's amazing. Yeah, I might talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah, that, no. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's an animated film on Netflix. It's a Japanese film from the eighties, but um, I've been waiting ages and ages to find the time to watch these series of movies. I think they're a bit like the Japanese Pixar and Disney. Um, really beautiful, yeah. beautiful story. I'll talk about it more next week because I think it's got a lot of lessons for okay. us all. Um, so yeah, all right. we'll talk. That's good. Um, cool. All right, Sean. Yeah, I'm wonderful. Are you wonderful? Um, I'm spiffing. Yeah, doing well. The sun's out. And it's warming up. And I think tomorrow's going to be a, a scorcher. Um, just quickly, like the woods outside our garden is just like the leaves are popping out. 
of the trees. So it's like the, the view from our window is changing hour by hour. It's incredible, actually. So, uh, yeah, feeling pretty good on that. Well, we got the spa out at the weekend and cleaned it out and filled it up. Uh, and I reckon that later on today, I might just end up in the spa. Put a photo on the Facebook page you know, for that. Yeah. Yeah. With the bubble. <laughs> <Taste> for <more. laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, you take care and everyone out there, take it easy. Eh? You look after yourself. See you now. Bye. Bye. Bye.